Welcome to the WebWell podcast brought to you by Cascade Web Development. I'm one of your hosts, Simon, along with Ben, and we can't wait to dive into all things internet, tech, web development, and web design. We'll also be discussing how we balance work and life and exploring the fascinating world of internet innovation. So whether you're a tech enthusiast or just looking for some entertainment, join us on this exciting journey as we explore the ever-changing landscape of the web. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Excellent. Well, welcome listeners uh, to episode number five of the WebWell podcast. This is brought to you by Cascade Web Development. We're changing things up a little bit today. I'll be leading the conversation given the topic is really focused more today on the expanded creative services here at Cascade last couple of years with the addition of Simon Hart. Our special guest today is Stephanie Murphy. Stephanie and I have worked together in almost all capacities. We started off where she was a client of Cascade with her, during her time at a, a previous employer. Uh, after that, she went to work for another creative services agency and we, we partnered on a number of projects. And, uh, and then she even managed uh, marketing services here at Cascade for, for quite some time, I think like a year and a half. Most importantly, uh, for purposes of today's podcast, she introduced us to Simon. So Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, to to help out with the podcast and share my story of how Simon ended up getting on the train. Yeah, well, it's been great uh, just in the last couple of minutes just to have this group back together. So why don't we start off, Stephanie, with you just sharing a little bit about your background and and involvement with Cascade and, and how uh, how you came to work with Simon and, and think he might be a good fit for Cascade. Sure. Well, my originally, you know, early career, I was an ad agency person through and through that lasted for about 15 years until I crossed over to the client side. And then I ended up going back to the agency world. And that's when I first met you, Ben. We had partnered before the agency I was working for had an in-house web team. They Cascade was pretty much their partner, their go-to partner. And so we had partnered on several projects. And then I ended up getting a job at a software firm and ended up hiring Ben. I ended up hiring Cascade. And Simon and I worked together. We met through a merger that happened while we were both at the software company. And um, so Simon and I had a great working relationship and we were both let go at the same time within a good 15 minutes of each other. And I had the great fortune of introducing him to you, Ben, and and you guys hit it off, and uh, I, it makes me so happy to to obviously provide Cascade with a great resource in Simon, but then also on a personal level to see Simon's career kind of take off in the direction that he really wanted it to go. And I think at at Cascade, Simon, you've really found a home where you can grow and contribute and make an impact on customers' outcomes. So to me, this is like the happiest networking story on the planet. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Simon, why don't you tell us, tell the the uh, audience a little bit more about your uh, your background and and uh, both you know before and and uh, after life here at Cascade. Yeah. So I I guess a real synopsis version of it. Uh, after high school, I ended up going and becoming a, a bike mechanic, uh, so working on bicycles. So I went down to Ashland, Oregon, uh, to United Bicycle Institute, got my mechanic certificate or whatever, and came back up to Seattle 
in, in the Seattle area and, and walked into a bike shop and got a job that day, uh, started the following morning. So it worked out really well. That career, uh, I think is just an awesome career in the bike shop, uh, retail space. Just, I learned so much just about how to work and talk with people and, in sales, both, uh, as a mechanic as well as in sales. And so long story short, worked my way up, ended up managing a couple shops and decided, uh, after I got married that I really kind of needed to change my career path and, and do something that would be a little more lasting. I kind of just shy of like owning or starting my own shop. I would have topped out like at, at management level. So I decided, went back and got my graphic design degree. Uh, and then also added in some social media marketing certificates to that, which led me to my first job at a, at a software company here in Spokane, where I did in-house design stuff. And, and again, going back to bike shops, we had to wear different hats. And one of my sweet spots, I guess, was design. Uh, so even back then, I was designing out stupid little like sale tags, right? I, I would start with that. Started doing our advertising. Um, in print. So in papers, I would design out those ads, you know, and I had, I think I had like a physical copy of Photoshop and Illustrator back when that existed. It was like CS2 or something like that. Cost me an arm and a leg when I bought it. It was like $1,200, but it was worthwhile because uh, that started kind of the trajectory I was headed, you know. So again, fast forward, software company, I was doing in-house marketing for them. Uh, I managed about 500 or so social media accounts for our clients. That was one of our products. And then really discovered I liked just doing in-house marketing, in-house design. Started doing that for that company. And then just from some, I guess, life experience there, I wanted to go back to bike shops just to get out of that business for a minute. Uh, did that, went back. Uh, a friend of mine uh, had a shop that he just bought and needed it managed. So I went there, which again, brought me back into software. So I ended up doing some part-time work, freelance work for uh, another person I was familiar with. And, and he invited me to, to come in full-time. That business ended up getting bought by the company that Stephanie worked for. And so there was this merger kind of situation where, where I came in at the time was a brand manager. So really heavily focused on, on client experience, user experience. Uh, we had a couple apps that we had built, um, managed the website, again, did our internal marketing, uh, started doing some video marketing and video production uh, for that company as well. And then partnered up, like Stephanie said, uh, got to join her team, which was just she and I. <laughs> so she and I for this, uh, this new <laughs> yeah, the whole team, all me and my, the the mouse in my pocket. <laughs> yep. Which she and I, like she mentioned, I think we just, we had a great working relationship where she, she did the talking, uh, and I just supported her and, and the teams that we as marketing, I guess would, would have supported in addition to also the original company, I was still more heavily involved on that side when it came to supporting clients on some of the software that we had, as well as design work, uh, both website and whatnot. And then like she mentioned, uh, within 15 minutes, I remember it was a Thursday because I was headed out on vacation that, that weekend. I had some PTO time. So I was actually off. I got a call uh, from Stephanie letting me know what was going down, what she thought was going down. And, and then I got a call soon after that call. 
which was my turn. Same kind of conversation. And and so that was uh, the way we headed out on vacation to the San Juan Islands. And then just again, like she's talking about, uh, just ended up connecting with you, Ben, uh, over the phone. Uh, I remember exactly we were on a hike uh, headed out to the water. Uh, and I was like, no, I'm going to take this call. Like, I know I'm on vacation, but I need a job. Uh, <laughs> so it just, it really, timing wise, it sounded like for Cascade as well as myself, just talking about like the right time, right place, but also the right puzzle piece, the right shape, right? Not only was it the right timing, but it was, it was certainly a good fit and became an even better fit as I grew into it. Um, both for how we serve our clients as well as, you know, my skill set, uh, adding that to the success and, and I'll say legacy that Cascade has for development. You know, again, I think we joke about it. I'm the newest employee of three years or going on three years. Like I'm still the, the new guy, right? Next newest guy's like 15 or 18 years, you know, and I'm coming in supporting as the new guy. I'm going to be the new guy for a long time, basically is what I concluded. But Yes, definitely a, a pretty awesome fit for uh, what I'd like to be doing. You know, finding fulfillment in my job, job quote. Um, I love it. Yeah. So it's definitely a good fit since then. That's fantastic. I remember uh, one of our our early conference calls early in the pandemic and and you were at your previous home and we were bantering back and forth and just seeing the the way you guys uh, interacted and how much fun you had. Uh, it was, it was really fun to just kind of witness and, and talk to us a little bit about your side hustle, because it seems like you were just wrapping up that, that previous home. And then when you started here, embarking on a pretty significant, uh, project that you're, uh, you're sitting in now. I love you call it a side hustle. Like I needed a place to live <laughs> so, side hustle. So <laughs> I've never heard about building a house as a side hustle. Well, <laughs> it seems like it's more than just one, right? Like you've, 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 uh, moved, moved life forward in exciting ways through your, your willingness to roll up your sleeves and, and get after it. Well, I, you know, I, and again, I all attribute it all the way back to the bike shop. Like if there was something we needed done, we, we didn't have the income as a small business to go, we didn't have the revenue to go hire someone, right? So if it was something I could do, I did it. And I think, again, totally transitioning this into work, it's kind of that same model that I think I model or, or present, you know, Cascade is like, I'm not suggesting we go hire someone to do it. I'm going to go teach myself. I'm going to go learn it so that we can do it. And if yes, if it's over my head, then we contract out. But uh, I love taking ownership of what I do. So Man, timing wise, we had just started or finished remodeling a little house, was let go. We had already purchased land, right? So we were in a land loan at the time and then secured basically the building plans that we wanted to build uh, and then was let go. And normally, uh, mind you, if you have a loan out there and you lose your job, you probably are going to lose your loan, right? Like it's just inevitable. I did some sweet talking because the transition from what I was doing to what I started to do with Cascade was so identical that I basically was able to sweet talk saying, no, it's actually a promotion in the same kind of field. So they didn't actually stop the loan, which was super fantastic mm. because soon after rates just skyrocketed, COVID really started to set in as reality and so, yes, so during COVID, 
working from in-laws, uh, I started with Cascade uh, while building a home. And yes, we we were acting more of a as a GC. So there was other skilled professionals doing framing, foundation, all that stuff. But we did a lot. Everything we could do, we did. So site prep, paint. Yeah, a lot. So that's where I am now and and have a nice space and it's quiet and sunshine coming in and a background that's not blurred. <laughs> yeah, no, fantastic. I was really impressed with how you uh, navigated that uh, somewhat tenuous uh, time and then and then balance those priorities through that first year where uh, you had your hands full on on a new job and and uh, you know living you know living with your in laws and building a new place. So uh, still excited to get up there someday and, and check that out. Well, wonderful. Well, I appreciate the background on some of those things uh, from both of you. Um, to get this, the topic of the day is going to be creative juices. So I thought what we might do is just invite Stephanie to talk a little bit about maybe some of the pros and cons she's seen over the years of, of including uh, the pros and cons of having creative services as part of a development firm versus having those be, you know, exclusive for, uh, for you know, two firms and, and trying to bring those, those capabilities together. Do you have any thoughts yeah. on that, Stephanie? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a great topic, and I think it's one that uh, you know now that I'm on the client side, you know, firmly rooted on the client side, I have seen every version and hybrid of it in my time on this side of the fence, and I've also obviously been on the other side of the fence. I think that you know. It, it all comes down to fit and what you're trying to accomplish. What as the client, what are your goals? But I think, you know, having having the creative capability in-house, in-house at the developer firm side, it closes, it's a shorter walk to get to your end product where your creative can talk directly to the developers and they know they have that familiarity of shared language between a developer and creative, where when you're working, you're managing a creative firm plus a development firm, you're, you're a lot of times having to bridge that communication gap between the two. And unless you're someone like someone like myself who has been on you know, working with Cascade when I was consulting with their marketing. So I understand the firm, the structure of the firm and the people inside the firm, but then also having worked on the client side. But I feel like I'm more of a rarity on the client side because I have such deep time on the other side, on the agency side. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that, you know, as long as I've known the team at Cascade, the addition of Simon, beyond him being, you know, a fantastic person to work with and the fountain of creativity, I think having that service in-house is a huge bonus because when I was consulting with Cascade to to help find new clients for you, you didn't have that tight, like you had some go-to designers that you trusted and that you'd partnered with. So you have that, again, shared language, shared work style, but it was still a longer a longer walk to the end of the project. And so by having Simon in there, you know, he can, I know that he can turn around. It's like, you know, a double play in baseball. You know, you can, you know, he's the, the second baseman. He can just turn it and whip it to first base. So I think ha just having that speed of development or speed of conversation is key. And I don't think a lot of development firms 
have that or even want to have that because they they're firmly rooted in we are developers, we are UX, UI, we are, you know, nothing wrong with that. And if that's what you're looking for, then that's great. But I think, you know, if if you're a um, a client looking for the right fit and if you don't have a solid go to creative solution, either on your own internal team, which is usually not the case, or if you don't have an outside agency that you love, adore and trust explicitly, then having creative and development under the same roof, in your case, the same train or virtual train now, you know, that it's just, it's just a much more efficient way to go. And, you know, from a, the, 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 the pros, but the pros of like when things go south, as much as everyone, we all on this call all try to ensure that projects don't go south and we've all got our head on a swivel. It's like, like what could possibly go wrong here and try to head everything off, you know, having creative and dev in one place, it's, you know, one throat to choke. So <laughs> when things go wrong. And so I think there's, there's something to be said for that, you know, of like, I only have to be angry at one person as opposed to like two different teams and then bring those two teams together and collectively explain like where things went off the rails. And, you know, huge disclaimer, oftentimes when things go off the rails, it's because of the client. So, so just like, I'm not putting blame on the, the uh, agency people by any stretch. Cause again, I've been on both sides. I've been that throat that has been choked multiple times. So Certainly. But yeah, so no. I just think I just think from a and also from an efficiency standpoint, you're you're going to get more efficiency of scale paying one firm than paying two firms, right? And oh, and yeah. it's from a from a brand understanding standpoint, you're explaining everything to one team of people. And you know, like the the software company I work for right now, we have we have four products, but they we joke that they all kind of have you know, they're all intricate and they all have their little asterisk after them. And it's a lot for any, any freelancers that we bring in or consultants that we bring in or anyone else that we bring in from the outside. There's a lot of like, Oh, but yeah, here's the product. But then there's this, this, and this you need to pay attention to. So like only having to explain that to one team. And so that one team totally gets our language is a huge benefit. That's great. Good perspective. Simon, what are your thoughts on that as you've uh, worked now with with our team alongside shoulder to shoulder with our developers and and with me in service of our clients, even when in some cases we're actually leading on the creative side, other cases we're not. We We just want to get as far down that path and show up very professionally in some of the areas that are perhaps a little less binary. Yeah, I think uh, my position is very selfish. Like I want to be involved in every project only because I think that I can add from a from a creative standpoint so much value. So yeah, so for one projects that we lead, I mean it's it almost I I hate calling it like a secret weapon, but having dev and design have such a a intimate relationship, a just a close relationship where like I can just ping them in Slack, get my response, get an answer, uh, get some options to present to the client. Uh, and just to better inform my design work, you know, I'm able to actually design ahead of time, hand that to dev. Hey, can we do this? Like, is this possible? And I keep challenging them. Uh, I'm sure they love me coming in and pushing the envelope, but, uh, I just feel like it ends up being a better product, a better value for the client. 
and I, I mentioned this to you, Ben, when we were talking about this topic of like, I was on a screen share with a client. We were just kind of QAing an issue she was having or, or problem solving kind of like, this is the content. What, what modules blocks, how, how could I present this? What are my options? And, and so we just did it on the screen. I was doing, I said, well, we could do it this way, this way. And we just came to the conclusion that we just needed to modify one little thing to make this kind of repurpose, if you will, a, a module. So I happened to be at the time sharing my whole screen. So she saw Slack come up. I chatted with Michael and presented kind of what we're looking at. And he goes, give me one second. So she and I ended up talking about something else for probably two minutes. And then his response was done. I took care of it. And so I refreshed my screen and showed her and she just goes, what? Like, that is amazing, right? The the service there. And, and it kind of hit me at that moment. Like, normally, if you wanted something like that done, we're talking about some turnaround time. Like there's emails, I've got to send it to the developer, I've got to explain what it is. I've got to wait until they check it, right? They're working on other projects, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I know I totally interrupted Michael, whatever he was doing. So it's based on his availability, but he was there, right? And and more often than not, he's there. So, or or Paul or, or Stefan, when I need some help, like just having that intimacy for me as a designer gives me a lot of confidence that I can present like some pretty cool stuff without having to do those meetings where... I've done it with other partners where we have to actually go through all the design, make sure it's feasible. Then they come back to me 24, 72 hours later, a week later. I mean, if they're in the middle of other projects, it, it's time, right? And uh, I think like Stephanie's saying, just the speed. Uh, and I love the baseball reference. You know, if, if I'm on second or short, you know, I could throw and get it to first so much faster, um, you know, I think than, than having multiple teams elsewhere. And the the extra secret weapon is that I'm I know Evergreen, uh, our CMS platform. I know it really well. Mm-hmm. So not yeah, only do huge. I have a perspective as as I said, new guy, I have a client's perspective of Evergreen versus Michael and Paul and Stefan that built the thing. I'm able to present to them a user experience that is very very much similar to our clients, right? And so not only can I design for it. I can design around it and with it more efficiently, more effectively, and then communicate that with my team and then communicate back to me so much faster. So uh, I, I just, I called it a secret weapon. Uh, I don't want it a secret. It's not a secret. It shouldn't be a secret, but it's such a value. Yeah. And I think, I think that scenario that you outlined, Simon, where you're on the phone with your customer and, you know, and I know that, you know, you can't, you can't like be designed on the fly. Everything's done in two minutes. But that demonstrates that short walk that I was talking about between between idea and change. And, and yeah. you know, what I like, and I think something that's kind of lost in, you know, our COVID world of everyone's remote now is that creative what ifing of, you know, can we just sit down and like, what if, what if we do this? Can we do this? Is this possible? And like a kind of rapid fire I'm just trying to sort through a problem and let's do this together. And for you, you, Simon, is that point to be able to understand where the customer is coming from and what they're trying to get to, but then also understanding what's possible in Evergreen and what's possible with the developers. But then you're also pushing the developers to say, is this possible? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's a super valuable 
tool for Cascade to have. Yeah, I just think, and I also think kind of going back to the the pros of having an in-house, you know, creative at, at Cascade is even if you're working with a client that, you know, is a, a established brand with its own marketing team and a very, in very specific brand guidelines. And so you're, you become, you're extrapolating the brand. You're not inventing a brand. Uh, you know, where they're not asking you to reinvent the wheel. They're asking you to, you know, build out the tailgate and, but it needs to look like it's all the same car. And, and I think you, from a design standpoint, having worked with you, you can extrapolate. So you can kind of take it if it's from scratch, I need to develop the brand, the whole shenanigans of the brand voice and the style and all that kind of stuff. But it's more like we've been around for 50 years we need to build the website that looks like us. We don't need your spin on it, but you understand how to live and create inside brand guidelines, but then also add to it. You know, in my agency life, we had, I had great fortune of working with some really talented designers that could extrapolate. And there's a lot to be said for that, where you're not reinventing things, but you're you're like, expanding on the the client's brand but then also enhancing it just a smidge more where it still feels the same but it just looks a little bit cooler without violating any brand tenants which i think is incredibly important you know as me serving as the logo police brand police for my whole career right you know it's nice that when you can trust someone to to not 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 go crazy with it, but just expand what's there. So I think I think with with Simon on board at Cascade, you guys offer both that. If if you need a, a new exploration of your brand voice, super. If you need your 50-year-old brand to just grow a little wider because you're adding whatever that is in a digital format, you can do that as well. I like yeah, I, I like, like the all word. of that. And I I like the word ahead, steward. Simon when it comes to that, yes. like stewarding the brand, right? And that's something I don't want to say I take sensitively or or take for, I guess, seriously, because the brand is those things that you can't feel touch, right? It's the things you feel yeah. inside. It's, it's your perception of it, right? And so being able to be handed that, I feel like it's, to me, I get all emotional about it. Like, I'm not going to cry or anything, but it's, <laughs> it's an honor, you know, like, here's the thing well, we made. Yeah. You know, take care yeah. of it. And you and I, Simon, you and I have talked about that. Yeah. We've, yeah, we've talked about it. It's like I get all protective of the brands that I am so fortunate to work on. And like they're little yeah. babies and I'm I'm the brand steward. It's like or like a campsite. It's like we have this beautiful forest and it's ours to take care of and leave it better than you found it. And, you know, I've yep. moved on from so many brands in my career, but it's like I always hope I made it a little bit better. And I hope the yep. next person does it too and that that's the thing that kills me is like when you see like a brand that you helped foster for however mm. whatever period of time three five years ten years whatever you you you've helped it grow and you know just gain more followers and more people that love the brand as much as you do but then you see it get like manhandled and picked <laughs> apart and like misguided it's yeah. gone off the trail and it's just like yeah. my brand like i just am recently <laughs> suffering suffering the loss of one of my favorite all-time clients 
over the years since I stopped working on it, you know, nothing to do with me, but the company was sold and now it was sold and now it's being completely dissolved. And yeah. it, it's a retail product and I still see some of their product on the shelves, but I know that it's like the last inventory of it and it makes me really sad. Like I do, yeah. I do get emotional about that type of thing. I'm not alone. Yeah, good. and I, I kind of look at those things. I look at those kind of things too, where you know our developers are so good in their domain, but that only goes so far. And in fact, mm -hmm. when we first started Cascade, uh, it was Stefan and I. He designed and developed sites, but he would get he would take you know customer feedback quite personally, and it's just like he's so used to things being right or wrong that when he put design out and get critical feedback, he'd be like, no, that was right. They're wrong. And it's like commission, <laughs> creative work. We can't really have that position. We go through that with partners over the years and now having Simon there where we have the trust. And so there's the trust and the knowledge, right? So mm -hmm. we trust and know that we have a shared mission of serving this client but we also know that he's got knowledge that our developers don't have. And so when it comes to those more subtle brand things, topics, considerations, Simon hears that he's tuned into it. He's bringing that forward versus putting something out that, hey, functionally checks the boxes. But from a brand, from a, an experience perspective, way missing the mark. And then all of a sudden we've rattled the confidence of the creative team. We've rattled the confidence of the, of the client. And so I think those are some examples I've seen. The other example is one where you know, uh, a creative uh, person, you know, that's on contract, let's say might come in with a great idea, but it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't work in this environment. So, so you coming forward with the idea, getting the client really excited about it. And then us saying, well, to pull that off is, you know, either really against best practices and just kind of this way out there, creative idea that would probably uh, frustrate more people than it would serve. Uh, or that's not in line with what we've talked about in the budget and timeline constraints. You know, we're much more on the same page, just kind of chopping it up internally before we're presenting it. And I've seen that so many times where it takes two, three client uh, engagements with a creative partner before we have the awareness and knowledge and trust of where where we should go and where we shouldn't go before we review it internally, or be, excuse me, before we share it with a client. But so often everyone's excited and like, look at this, look at this, what about this? And it's like, ah, let's not get too far down that path because that, <laughs> that isn't working over here. So I've certainly appreciated the heck out of, of Simon's, you know, contribution yeah. along those lines as he gets more familiar and, and, uh, isn't necessarily putting things forward that our developers look at and go, yeah, that's not reasonable. We can't do that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I always kind of joke cause you know, both my role and Simon's role, we've been, we've had to be the voice of reason because it's so easy to get caught up in a creative idea. You're like, oh, that's the coolest thing ever. But then I and people like Simon get to step up and be like, it's either not on brand, on strategy, on budget, on timeline. And and now, you know, having Simon is that that connector between creative and development. He knows enough to say that that is like physically unable to produce <laughs> in a web format. Because like I yeah. like for me, I'm very much on the non-web side of like I come up with ideas and I don't know what's structurally physical, like what what is structurally possible in a web right. environment. Because right. you know, because my career has largely been in print and packaging and retail, and so I think very much in a in a non-digital world. And right. sometimes I get ideas that are just like that is or yeah, it's possible but it's not functional and it's just like 
Ben, to your point, it's just going to cause headaches for the user. Right. But yeah, I think, you know, uh, you know, Simon is very much of the voice of reason. And when he and I worked together, when our job was challenging, he was my voice of reason. <laughs> I kind of don't think I should ever be the voice of reason. And if it's, if I'm the last stop <laughs> on the reason train, like <laughs> you should probably reconsider your goals in life. So. <laughs> well, that's great. Hey, what I, I guess I'd like to do right now too, and this is something that's that's been somewhat challenging for me over the years, is is what are we talking about when we see, say creative services? So Simon, maybe you could talk a little bit about how we break that down, how we think about that, um, and that might just be some good sort of uh, learning and language for for listeners of the podcast to to consume and, and think about as well. And I think that yeah. would be helpful for me too, just because I think creative services, the idea of creative services has shifted over over yeah. the years. And so yeah, right. I think I think that would be great to explain to the listeners. I think that's great. Yeah, I I like the term. It can kind of be a, a two-edged sword in a way because it's very not specific, right? It's just creative services, it's just out there. You know, I think ultimately it, it comes down to a couple parts. One, if we're talking about actual physical assets, right? So, or, or not physical, digital assets, right? Creating the actual design, creating the, the video, the video production, the animation, uh, creating those, those files, those assets. So, and, and I know we're a web development, but even if it was a startup and we needed to do business cards, right? Ben, I'll, I'll bring your wife into this. She is starting a new venture and needed a logo. She needed colors. She needed a business card, right? People still do that, like print out business cards, you know? So there is that side of it. But I, I almost want to rewind all the way to the very beginning of, of any conversation when it comes to a company's image, right? So we're talking about brand, brand identity, brand strategy, so though there are physical assets that are part of that, but also even to the naming of a, a business, naming of a product to its appearance. And, and again, because it's such a broad statement, we're also talking about like a, a project. You know, it doesn't have to be the start of a company. Ben, you had mentioned uh, a client having an in-house design team, but wanted to like come up with some ideas. They they were either drawing blanks or didn't have any ideas or direction on an idea concept. And so they involved me. They brought me in where I was able to ask all these, these kind of third-party questions, meaning like, have you thought of this? Have you thought of this? Right. And they're able to say, yes, we thought of that. Okay, perfect. What about this? Right. They ended up, it was uh, for a beer company, a uh, client of ours. Uh, and we had this idea that they loved, they liked the idea and we were able to actually develop it. So Michael, uh, the developer at the time was on that call. So being able to be creative, I didn't build any of the assets. I did, however, repurpose them. So the design elements were already created. I was able to take those and kind of translate them, if you will, right? I used those to create new ones handed it off to Michael and Michael could do his thing. So that is, it's, it's kind of a, a Swiss army knife in the realm of, of digital creation, right? So creative, a creative is definitely the thought process from start to finish 
to end up with a product, end up with an asset, end up with some direction. And again, our involvement could be full. We could literally do everything you need, or it can just be a, a complementary kind of a relationship where you built the asset and I help modify, I help translate, I help steward, again, going back to that word, where I can help maintain that. Uh, another client of ours needed to, uh, I think we called it whiz, was it whiz bang? No, that was another one. We had these terms, right? I think the one you're referring to. Yeah. So we we basically needed to spruce up a homepage and we wanted to do something. She's like very specific. I want to do something here. And so basically coming out with that idea, pitching the idea, pitching the concept from the beginning. And really it's it's being able to, Stephanie, like you said, basically put me in that brand's shoes and think about what would benefit them or communicate best to their audience. And that is something that's so fun and intriguing to me, which is why I love what I do is, is I get to sit there and be the client for a second. Think of that as my business. Think about who I'm trying to communicate to and, and solve it, right? It's constant problem solving in a creative space. So I know my answer was was pretty wide or or vague, but it 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 encompasses every little step within there, uh, or even some of the steps. It doesn't have to be all of them, right? I don't know if that answered it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> no, I think so. And and we, you you had provided an outline as we prepared for this that I think also would be helpful in terms of where the rubber meets the road, uh, and and it's fascinating to look at because I'm working with you know a couple of clients now where they are they do have a creative team and. And I understand that subject matter expertise is unique within these domains, but my gosh, they have different people for every role. And these feel like pretty narrow roles. And, and again, from an efficiency perspective, I think sometimes that can be challenging, especially if you're somewhat budget constrained. But to sort of break this down in, into topics that, you know, some of our listeners might might rel- sort of resonate with and, and grab onto, uh, I think specifically these include things like graphic design. Uh, web design for sure, and under that might might that might include UI UX, so the u- user interface mm-hmm. design as well as the user experience and sort of the the steps they take and the sort of that non design element, but the elements that are behind the design, if you will. Certainly, the quality assurance process once something gets built, going through those steps and saying how does it actually function now that we've we've digitized this vision that we all came up with together. Uh, you know, in a more static environment, uh, branding and identity. Um, Simon talked about that quite a bit. So that's designing logos, packaging, marketing materials like the business cards, uh, creative direction or consulting. I think that was a great example of the the beer client where we were coming up with more like the kernel of the idea and and the you know the way in which people are interacting with the brand, but then handing over the design process to an in-house designer, handing over the development to a developer here on our staff. Video post-production, animation, those are things that that we're now able to provide and, and a number of clients have have enjoyed working with us on that front. And then I, I think as, uh, as Simon had mentioned before as well, this notion of internal consultation and rapid delivery. So when we are talking to a client, he's able to grab onto certain elements 
and really drive that conversation forward while interacting with our developers. And it's really kind of just that mind hive where we're bringing our best to the table because we have different perspectives on a topic versus, you know, narrower uh, perspective sets that then, you know, just limit how far and, and wide we can push a conversation. Yeah, and I think to add to that, that like what you what you touched on, oh, sorry, what you touched on with the the mind hive idea of you know just just being able to have Simon serve as both the both the the voice of the customer, the client, and the understanding of the developers and what's possible, you know, and and speeding that along and understanding that you know, that example you gave of like, oh, it was fixed in two minutes isn't the norm, but it's the pace. Like, uh, for example, this is kind of more in a, in a, um, in the, in the regular world. But when I was at a former, former job as we were building a trade show and I had initially worked with a, a company that was very formal and that had, you know, if I wanted to make an edit, it was talk to my account manager. He'd go back and talk to the CAD people. Four days later, they'd come back with, oh, here's that corner treatment you wanted to talk about. And then I would say, well, I want to change this radius. And then it would be three more days to come back with another sketch. And and so it was this like walk through the valley of death to get this thing developed. And then we switched trade show companies and it was 180 where we went to Vegas where the booth was being built offsite and stood there with a construction team mm. rapid building display cases like on the fly out of plywood and we were we could say no we want to tweak this no we want this an inch shorter no we want this an inch so it was that version of what you described Simon and and the project went fast it was super creative it was more creative then all of that back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And right. uh, it, it gives it, it gives a project more energy when you can see those kind of rapid changes and improvements, or even if it's the idea of the change of knowing that it's possible still gives it that energy that you want in all your projects of we're, we're barreling forward because everybody wants things done super fast. Right. And, and even if super fast means, three days or a week, but there's that energy behind it because you're iterating along the way and improving yeah. and collectively that mind hive sharing, everyone's bringing something a little different to the energy of the project. So I, yeah, I, I, you think know, I think that's something that you guys have in spades now with Simon on board. Well, and I, and I appreciate all of that. And I, and, and what I hear and take from that also is just that notion of it's like, it's like improv. Right. It's it's the yeah. yes and approach mm -hmm. to that conversation where it feels like oftentimes when you have a, a variety of different teams or, you know, contributors within a team that that don't know and, and have as much trust, it can be a yes, but or a no, but. And that's just yeah. like, well, that's just <laughs> that's kind of not that fun. But if, right. if we as a team can work through that in a yes and manner and just be like, yes, because we're. We, we can predict what the other person's recommending. And there aren't these recommendations that are way out there from a, a capabilities or, a, you know, it, it being a rational suggestion. It just kind of continues to refine and get narrower and narrower toward that, that end goal versus I find a lot of times the conversations, they feel more like discovery sessions because it's like, oh, you're thinking that? 
well, we're not really ready to respond to that yet because we just need to kind of get our ducks in a row and, and come back in a way that's respectful versus, you know, having to like shut someone down. And that's what we find sometimes in the technical perspective is all the creative ideas get elevated. And we're like, great, but you know, here are the challenges behind your, your brilliant idea. And, and that's not a fun message to send where, you know, when we're working as a, a tighter team, I feel like there's so much awareness that uh, there's, there are fewer opportunities where someone has to respond with a, a no or, you know, a but. It's just yes and let's keep going and, and riffing on this thing and, and coming yeah. up with something really cool rapidly. And I also think, you know, working with a small team from the client side when, you know, and I've been fortunate to be on both sides of that conversation, but when you develop the relationship, like what I had when I was on the client side working with Cascade or working me on the client side working with other agencies, you can, there's kind of like no holds barred as far as like creative ideas. You're, you're like, you can actually tell the client like with no insult of like, it's not going to fly and here's why. As opposed to like mm. wording an email of saying, well, that's interesting. And mm. here are the restrictions to the budget where you can just say not, or they can say like, they can say to you like, oh, that's a ridiculous idea, but I appreciate where you're going. And so like when you, when you have, again, that creative energy is flying, everybody's involved. There's no person, you know, like the whole, like no bad ideas thing. And, but truly to be able to have a relationship. And that's what I had with Cascade you could you could throw out anything and either have it be yeah that's a good idea or oh no that's ridiculous and it's like okay well then let's move on because we're moving ultimately we're all moving toward the same goal and you guys get my goal and everything else if it's a fun idea but if it doesn't fly then let's move and i i just think that's the kind of energy that i think everyone who works even in a tangential connection to creative development especially in a digital setting is looking for is that that energy and speed and endless creative thinking toward your goals, you know, and it doesn't have to be creative in the sense of like, Oh, we're going to do skywriting, like huge creative, but if it's creative, (laughs) that is goal oriented. Right. I work in software. I work in CRM and business intelligence software. We're not like doing super splashy stuff. We're selling, software to distributors which is super interesting but it's not like flashy that's not what they want they want intelligent and you know in that but there's still excitement to be had in that realm so i I think that applies whether you're selling beer or wine or any other cool clients that you guys have i think if you can create that environment that fosters creative ideas and is backed up with an energy to execute quickly and with that same creative problem solving, I, I think it's like gold. Oh, it's outstanding. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've loved uh, more than anything about, you know, Simon's addition uh, to the team and, and the skills he brings is just all of a sudden we can go back to our existing clients and say, hey, we've got some things to offer we didn't used to offer. What are your yeah. needs? And I think one thing we're definitely seeing in the last several years is, you know, workforces within organizations are being reduced. And so then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, some of the stuff that maybe they wouldn't have talked to us about, even if we had the capabilities, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you guys do that? Wow, that could really solve a problem for us. And 
yeah, Simon, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the opportunities that you see out there in the future that get you most excited as we as we continue down this path and continue to find really cool opportunities that help you continue to flex those creative capabilities on top of the the highly valuable and, and critical project management work that you do. Well, we'll go ahead and name drop then too, because I think it'll make way more sense when we talk about what clients we were doing this for or, or past clients we had worked with. <clears throat> both redesigning stale sites like i love coming in and like where do you see this what what could we optimize how could we change this and and it could be a full like clean house redesign but often that's not the case it's not that it needs a full redesign it's that there's some opportunities that are missing or again the internet changes every day like the priorities back five years ago on a site are different than they are now right your clients have changed how they visit your site has changed, right? They're not all on a desktop now, you know? I mean, I know that's like beating a dead horse talking about a responsive website, but but that experience has also changed. It's not just that it had to resize. It's that all of that changed. So uh, I love that. I love the idea, like you said, Ben, uh, of supporting uh, as a designer, as an in-house designer, McAdam Forbes uh, is a client of ours. They're a, a commercial real estate agent agency in uh, brokerage in the Portland area. And I love working with Cindy. She will just spit out her idea. And it's, it's, it's her terms, right? Like she's almost apologetic about how she gives it to me or delivers it. But she's like, that's the best way I know how to say it. And I think one of my strong suits uh, in one of the, the, problem solving skills I love is taking that and understanding what she meant and offering and delivering something that actually executes the the objective really well. So that was that was one client that specifically she would just give me like Simon, this is the best I know how to say it and and deliver, right? That is something that I think a lot and, of clients may have. Go ahead. And I can attest to that, Simon, when you and I work together, I know more than on um, more than one occasion, you you being in Spokane and me being in Portland, that I've scribbled a comp on a, on my notebook and held it up to the Zoom camera and be like, I want it to look like this. And it's just like yep. Sharpie, scribble, scribble, scribble. And then like an hour later, I get a comp back. And, it you know, so, yeah, you have that unique skill to be able to uh, speak that English to or what is it, a uh, client to you know, client yeah. agency language of like, oh, I yeah. get you. Like that would make no sense to regular people, but I get you. Yeah. Right. And and I think that that bridging that gap, I think some people have some fear of like, I just don't know how to speak. So I'm not going to ask. Right. And, and I would challenge that and say, no, just puke it out. Speak it. Tell me, sketch it on a napkin or a notebook. Send me that screenshot. Send me that photo. Give me what you got, you know? And I can make something from it. And so I think the idea of, of like Ben was saying, staffing wise, consider us an in-house design firm, you know, like just consider me your guy, right? I think that relationship and trust goes a long way where, where a client can send me that I can produce something and, and I know, I know that it'll, it will work, you know, uh, and trust that I'm, I'm mindful of of all of the scenarios, all of the, the client facing kind of objectives, budget, timeline, their clients and, and all that. I also think of another one, Buff USA, they did these face masks, neck gaiter kind of things. 
heavy in like uh, outdoor, obviously outdoor arena. This role, they had a super strong marketing team. They knew what they needed to do, super efficient, super effective and, and details. Like they knew their numbers, where people clicked, what people were clicking on. And they had an objective and they just wanted a, an additional opinion. And on most of these calls that I'm being introduced to, and Ben, ben probably attest to this, I don't say much. I don't need to say much at the beginning because I'm just being that sponge. I'm just absorbing. I'm listening to everything they're saying because I'm I'm trying to be caught up in a way, right? Like I'm trying to catch up to where we're at. And then finally, it's kind of like, all right, Simon, like I remember, Ben, if you remember that call, it was, I mean, it was a year and a half ago or so, like with Drew at Buff. All right, Simon, you haven't said much. Talk, right? something to that effect. And I was able to come in and, and really just help support what he was seeing and, and validate some of, I think some of his, his impressions that he didn't say yet. He didn't say them on the call yet. And so he was, it, it gave him confidence into the decision-making that he needed to make. Like we needed to, we need more people getting from this screen to the sales screen, right? Like how do we do that? And so I, I, you know, presented some options. And I just remember him saying, yep, yep, that's what I was thinking, but it just, I hadn't said it and I needed some, another voice. Right. Um, and so I, I love being yeah, able yeah, to be validating true. that way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I would say, you know, from redesigning stale sites to even just acting as a consulting role coming in and, and really optimizing UI UX, the way things are looking, the, the whole experience oftentimes isn't a full, you know, scrapping of the site. Sometimes it's just a modification. Yeah. Other times are full. Yeah. Let's start from scratch, you know? So, well, unfortunately we've got some backend tools that allow us to take some of those measured steps instead of blowing it up and starting over. And I think that's one of the things that I always like to remind our clients of is boy, even if we haven't touched it in a while, it doesn't mean that it's beyond repair. You know, the last thing we want to do is, is, you know, throw the proverbial, baby out with the bathwater. It's like, let's, let's take care of the the problems. Let's optimize. And I think that's led to a lot of our audit services and, and just keeping these sites yep. future-proofed. Uh, so having that, that involvement there has been great. Yeah. Cause I can, you know, I can tell you from the client side, nobody wants to blow up their site and start over. That's, you know, in a lot of cases, it's a career killer. Like I've seen mm. coworkers lose their jobs because websites didn't go well. And, right. and, you know, right. it aptly yeah, and oftentimes, named- and and oftentimes what I see is when someone new comes on in the marketing capacity, it's like, oh, well, I've got to make my mark by creating a new website. So that creates some some transition challenges that we often face where it's like, hey, you know, let's let's get to know each other and understand what your needs are. But boy, yeah, I think we can we can really make you look good, save money and be much faster if we work together to, to bring your vision to life versus everyone knows a web guy and then bringing that person <laughs> in, blowing everything up. And then to your point, there's a lot of risk there for the that subject matter expert in that organization yeah. to take that lead. And, you know, I think for your existing clients, you know, there's a reason why your platform is called evergreen because yeah. you can add to it. And, right. and that, that's like a shameless plug that I just came up with, but <laughs> uh, you know, you can add to it. So you don't, so you don't need to blow it up. Right. And, yeah. and because it's like, I've been involved in every iteration of that and and blowing up a site is not fun and it's not easy and it's not cheap. And, you know, there's no shame in making updates. Like 
you know, right. I, 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 I do think, you know, when you get a newer person, they want to put their stamp on the website. But I think, you know, from the client side and being in corporate in the corporate world, like the people above you as the marketing person would rather have you put your stamp on the EBITDA of the company Amen. rather than a shiny website. If the website is still delivering, like invest $50,000 in getting more sales and fewer abandoned carts, right. that's going to win you a lot more points and get you a bonus more than, oh, look, we've got some new influencer on the front page of our website. So and I spent everybody's bonuses on that new website. So you're welcome. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this has been great, Stephanie. Boy, sure is fun to have you come in and, yeah. and share your perspective on this topic and given your contribution to Cascade over the years and certainly with Simon. I'm curious, is there anything that maybe we missed that you feel like we'd be, uh, we, it would be a good topic to bring up on as we're, we're chatting here? I, you know, I, I this has been super fun. I like the angle that you guys are uh, taking with this podcast, kind of like spotlighting the talent. I, I still refer to it as on the train, even though it's virtual. I just think, you know, you guys are a small and mighty team. And and like I said, at the top of the top of the event, you know, this relationship between Simon and Cascade and myself and Cascade and Simon is like the greatest networking story I've ever been involved in, you know, and like my mission Amen. in life is to make sure that my friends are happy and that, it, you know, if I can help foster someone's career path as I've had great mentors in my career, you know, I'm, it just makes me really happy to see that it's not only, you know, that Simon has landed somewhere good where he's growing. It's also helping one of my favorite companies grow. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. So okay. I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. That makes three of us. Simon, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we uh, we let everyone get back to it? Well, I guess a full-on shameless plug, you know, give give me some more design work, you know, clients. <laughs> like I'm yeah. I'm here for that. I wanna I wanna help support that. I, I think like you had slightly alluded to our audit services, you know, of of allowing time you know, to review that stuff, man, I just, I look at it, I, I'm going to use another analogy, but like using it as a garden, right? Like I know there are farming methods where you just let it sit and it just does its thing. But, but I am still one of those where like, you have a given soil, let's till this thing. Let's, let's fertilize it. Let's make it better. We're not talking about throwing the dirt out. We're talking about just optimizing what's there. And, and I think design constantly is changing users are constantly changing technology is constantly changing like why wouldn't you so that would be my shameless plug to uh yeah give me give me some time so i can look at your site and make it better uh, i think nice. that's a great place to end well i want to thank both of you for uh joining me today on the podcast uh, thank everybody who's uh, listening in here as uh, we've all been conditioned <clears throat> we'd love any kind of uh, review or liking of the podcast, sharing that with others as we get off the ground here and uh, excited to continue to, to provide good content and uh, share our thoughts along the way. Okay. Well, thanks, uh, thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I look thanks, forward to catching up with you again soon. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye.